Blog Talk Radio. Hey, it's that time again. We have a special show for you tonight. So let's get crazy. This is KWOD Radio. And this is Patty Holtran. I know, that doesn't matter. But we're all here, and so is our guest. Uh, T.M. Williams is here to talk about Cluster tonight. But before we get started there, I just want to mention that we got some upcoming things and I wanted to make sure you guys knew about. Uh, tomorrow evening, 6.30 to 8.30, is the third Thursday Creative Meetup. And that is at the new location at Jake's Pizza, right off of Mill Avenue and Southern. That's like hop, skip, and jump. I mean, you know, basically, seriously, hop, skip, and jump uh, down the same sidewalk as the timeout lounge right here on Mill Avenue and Southern. Again, that's 630 mile, and that is for all creative people. And so many of us out there, um, so many of our friends, hey, hi, guys. Sounds if you have something you're working on, writing, uh, painting, uh, drawing, creating. Uh, we got Garage FX coming in and talking about uh, how to create new props and things for your costumes. So definitely, you know, come on out and see what the buzz is about. Well, we'll be there, and uh, I'll be there a little earlier. So if you want to have anything to talk to me about, definitely come in early. Uh, and catch a seat. And then on Friday uh, at 6 p.m., 6 to 8 p.m., uh, at the Mesa Urban Garden, uh, Mesa Urban Garden at 1212, I'm sorry, not 12, <laughs> 212 East 1st Avenue in Mesa. Uh, I'll be out there sometime that evening. And uh, they've got some things going on, and they'll be talking about the art space. And they've got, art space has an event. And you guys, you know, it's just, you know, you got to Google this stuff. Mesa Urban Garden Art Space event, and it's right there uh, off of First Avenue in Mesa, right right off the heart of Mesa there. So come on out and see what's going on. Tayocon is this weekend. Again, Mesa is a place to be apparently this weekend. And uh, Tayocon is from 16th through the 18th, and that's uh, right downtown Mesa uh, at the Mesa convention center which is off a of center uh so definitely come on over and uh, have some fun you know and check us out be lots of fun out there all weekend and uh saturday uh 12 to 2 30 is the publishing marketing meetup and that is going to be actually tm williams will be actually our special guest host that day she is going to be teaching us all about marketing especially for us authors so uh, that's going to be, you know, take a look at the uh, writing Writers Workshop Meetup group. And they've got the information there for the Publishing Marketing Meetup, which is this Saturday. That's January 17th, Saturday, 1230 to 2.30. And then, of course, on, just to let you know, on the 18th, which is next, this Sunday, we have another The Next Space show with Alan Joe. Uh, again, that's from 7 until however long we can actually stop Don from talking. So, <laughs> so you know, we will catch Alan and tell him no more talking. 
So without further ado, we're going to say hello to our special guests. And <laughs> this got it. Well, I sure hope this is Sam Williams. Yes, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, are on live, and I just had to give everybody the update on the calendar. There's just so many things going on all the time. And you're yeah, a busy woman. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's understatement of the year. <laughs> Well, when you're not busy at events, you're busy writing. And you've just been yeah. a crazy woman when it comes to writing. Yeah, it, supposedly, but I feel like I haven't been doing that much. It's it's really strange. So, I don't know. It's a weird dichotomy. Well, you're you're going back and making things better. You're making, you know, you're... Yeah. you're, you're you know, and, and honestly, you know, we can talk about that because I, I want to actually talk about that specifically in that, you know, when you stick a fork in it, you think it's done. Mm-hmm. But there's always, you know, things that you want to change, especially when you first start writing uh, and you get better at it. Your craft gets better because mm-hmm. you practice it. Right. So, you know, you, that's, what you're, that's what you're going through right now with your right. Bohemian Grove series. So let's talk about yeah. that. So there, one of the things I think that people learn, or as writers learn, is that when you're when you finish a book, it's never going to be perfect. And I think that's something that as writers we or published authors. I think the difference between a writer and a published author is one's walked away and finished the book, while the other one is still writing. And a lot of people, I know a lot of people have yet to become published authors because they can't walk away from their book because they keep trying to perfect it. And I'm one of the first people that says, you've got to walk away from a book, yet I'm the one that's going back and working on from my book. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I'm breaking my own advice, but I think that I have a good reason for it. Um, if this book was not a part of the trilogy, I, and it was a done book, and there was nothing left coming out of it. I think I would have left it the way it was. Um, probably would have pulled it down and just not even had it published and just completely pulled it off the market. But because we still have the third book coming out, um, and it's been only it's only been two years that I started writing the first one and then the third one, so it's really not that long of a time. But in between that period, I I went from, you know, Bohemian Grove, where I've never written anything in my life before that, to by the time I've gotten to Creative Anu, I think I have uh, eight or nine books in print in between that. So my craft has improved a lot. And what has happened is that my last book in the trilogy, which I'm still writing, um, has changed so much as far as craft goes that if somebody were to pick up the first book and read them all the way through it wouldn't feel like the same writer. And that's the reason why I'm rewriting both me and Groves because it, I want it to be cohesive with the second and third book. And um, and, and I say, and I, I originally said I was going to edit it, but at this point I'm actually rewriting the entire thing because once <laughs> I started it was just, it, it was, I almost wanted to throw it to the wall and just scrap it and start over again because it was just so much cleanup that had to be done. But uh, I'm really excited with the with the rewrites. I think it works much much better, um, mm-hmm. and I'm adding some elements to it that if you've read the first one, um, you'll have a reason to read it again because there's some new things being added to it that I think 
my readers will appreciate. And if you um, don't want to read it again, you'll still get the, the same story by the time you get to the third book. So um, I'm excited. It's a thorn in my side, but I, I am very happy with the way it's turning out. Well, that's a good thing, you know, that you that you're talking about, hey, going back and, and, and of course, you change the cover, too. So it just gave you yes. a chance to do everything, uh, you know, everything yes. remastered, the whole thing. So that's a good thing. Yes. When you, it worked out well. Yeah, the first cover <laughs> was nice. I, I, I like the first cover, yes. but if you look at Sungate and Creative Anu, it, 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 and it my cover designer yeah. has gone through this growth with me, too, because, you know, Jason from Platinum Footage, he did Bohemian Grove, and we've kind of grown with our covers as well, not just the writing. So you see Creative Honor and Sungate, and they're just these amazing covers, and then you see Bohemian Grove, and even though it's a great cover, it doesn't fit the second and third one. So it's, even the cover matched the writing. So, so we read totally the agree. first cover, and I love it. I think it's much better now. Well, they match now, you know, and that's yeah. just, you know, that's yeah, something I wanted to do with my series too, is just totally just throw all the covers and set to you and everybody likes the first one. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's hard to do the same thing over again. So it it's like I would totally redo all of them. And so that's, you know, that's sometimes better to do that. And I do yeah. like your look now. You've got a whole cohesive look to them and they all match. And that's a good thing. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so you you started rewriting it, uh, or started editing, and then you realize, you know, I I, I got to just totally totally rewrite it. I you think that it's going to be a bigger, a little bit bigger, or a little bulkier, or is it just that you just just had to make it more uh, sound more of a voice that you have uh, by I your think third? It'll be. I think it will be a little bit thicker. I don't think it's going to be much. I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to, at the same time, trying to keep it the way, I'm trying to keep the the basic foundation. So I don't think it will be much thicker. But um, there's some things I'm pulling out of it that when I originally wrote the first book, I thought would be a storyline that would be more prevalent throughout the rest of the series and then end up not being anywhere else in the rest of the series that I'm, I'm pulling out of the first book. Um, wow. And I'm yeah. and I'm replacing it with more things that are prevalent, and um, even adding a little bit of foreshadowing to to it with the third book. So uh, it'll be a little bit thicker. It's the writing will definitely be better. The editing will be much much better. So it, it's it's just going to be a better book all the way around from from beginning to end. Well, I, I always say that you that as an author, you really need to be proud of your book. Uh, yes. Because you know you're going to be living with it for a long time. <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah, and you know what? People, um, a lot of times people will say, "What's your first book? I want to read that one." Because when they see you have a lot of books, yeah. they say, "Okay, let me start yeah. with your first book." And I wasn't proud of it, and I almost cringed when I would give it to people because it's like, "Oh, I could do so much better than that." And um, it's just, it's, it's definitely something that um, I'm proud of now and uh, if you look at my edits because I printed it out and I edit on paper I've literally crossed out entire pages and just threw literally just threw it out and just rewrote the whole thing so um, it is a complete rewrite of the first book well I'm excited to be able to see it <laughs> for, for I know. <laughs> 
You were supposed to say it quite a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've yeah, you know, I've seen the first the first uh, chapter. Yeah, I, I let you read the first chapter, and I, I'd say that, yeah, you know, I can't read it at night now. <laughs> I I was so writer came out of me. Uh, putting it into your cluster book last night, and I, I was reading it again, and I had the door open, and it was like. <laughs> I go like, I'm freaking me out. <laughs> I got this breeze yeah. coming in on me, and I I just suddenly got chilled. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, so I love that first chapter. <laughs> so yeah, everybody it, else, everybody else just has to wait. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the horror writer coming out in me because I wasn't a horror writer when I started my writing career either. I was just writing sci-fi, so apparently, apparently the horror is coming out. But like you said, it is going to be in clusters, and clusters is only coming out in a few weeks, so people will get to read that first sooner than, than yes, they thought they, they were. Exactly, they get to read the first chapter, so that's at the yeah. end. So let's talk about clusters because you know it's. Okay. I think that you actually, even though you were, um, you were saying that you know it was a long time writing it. I don't think it was writing it. It was you were really getting into the the thick of how to you know mm-hmm. wrap your head around it. Right. Different, yeah, because it, it it is a uh, it, it's it, I think it goes in the same vein of what you usually write, but it's based on real life story. <laughs> Right. And so how do you do that justice, um, you know, without seeming uh, odd, you know? I think that is why it took me so long to complete. Um, I started working on clusters of November 1st of last year, and I, I literally just finished 20, it. 2013, right? Uh <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, 2013. Yeah, thank you. I started writing it October of 2013. I forget what you're wearing. October 2013, I started writing it, and I literally finished it just a few weeks ago. And uh, even though I had the bulk of it done probably three months ago, I, I was still adding in stuff up until a few weeks ago. And the reason why it took me so long, when I was writing it, I was just I was flying through it because I knew my story. So it wasn't the actual writing that was taking a long time, but it was, um, it, it was I was treading water because it's based on real stories, and you want to do justice to these families and to these people that have gone missing because you don't you don't want to exploit them, you don't want to turn it into this commercialized thing, and it becomes really difficult to kind of walk that line, especially since you're writing fiction. I think if I was writing nonfiction, it'd be a completely different story. But because I'm writing fiction, and and the bottom line is, is all these missing cases that are in the story are still unresolved. 99.9% of them are still unresolved. And in my book, I have to come up with my own theory. And it was, and that's where I became stuck. I think there were three or four months where I wouldn't write anymore because I was just like, I don't know if I can keep moving forward with this idea I have because I don't want people to think, that's what happened to these missing people because we just don't know. So, right, right. Um, you know, it, it was it's hard, and I and I still kind of get nervous about it because I just don't know if I I did it justice. But the feedback we've gotten from our early reviewers seems 
do think it's sweet. I did, so I'm really grateful for that. Um, but it was it was emotionally taxing. Um, it was a difficult book to write emotionally, and it was it was not a difficult book to write craft wise. It was just a difficult book to write emotionally. Where you know the apocalypse was a difficult book to write with a craft. Where this one is difficult because of the content. So um, each book presents its, its own challenges. That I don't expect that to happen. <laughs> Well, I think that as you know, as you progress through your career, uh, you know, each book, you know, again does bring you to a different level, and so I think that you are seeing your progression naturally unfold in front of you pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> you're taking on, uh, you know, this was a, I would have to say, you know, even though you said the story itself was pretty easy, but you know, I think overall though, um, it's it's a little more difficult book because of of the nature of the fact that we are that of the inclusion of the cases and so right. it's something that uh we went around and around about uh right to, to decide how to do that yeah up until the very last minute <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and then, and then you know even then we said okay we wanted to make it distinctively different from uh mm-hmm. on the section so um, and again, give it justice and, and have it match somewhat with the progression of your story, which was which was the interesting part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to make that yeah. happen. Yeah, and so so we included the, the actual true cases into the book. Uh, it's separate from the story, so we were trying to figure out how do we do this and make it where it's obvious it's separate, but it's not separate. So. It's in there, and they're in a like a darker box. So, the way I would read it, if I were if I were a reader, and this is kind of how I approach all my books that I read, is I would read the story itself and ignore mm-hmm. the cases, and then I would go back and read the cases, um, so that you can kind of go back and see, oh yeah, that was the case that was in the story, and, and that sort of thing. Um, or you can read the cases first and read the story. I, I mean, people can do however they want, but I would either read the cases first or I'd read it after the story, but I wouldn't read it while I'm reading the story. I don't know. I think I would only because of the fact that, you know, that's how it was intended and, you know, to be where they were. Right. And, uh, and I think it does help to to understand that. You know, it's like, okay, you've got the fiction story here, but, you know, this is based on, on real true life uh, accounting, so it really does bring a little closer to home, mm-hmm. uh, and and actually it makes the story all that more compelling. I think. Yes, it does do that. So I mean, it, it's it's separated enough where people can tell. So I think it's depending on how they want to read it, because you know, like it, when you see when there's prequels and there's follows in between books in a series, uh, people approach those differently as well. So I think it just depends on the reader and how they what they want to get out of the story, but. But I think that adding the, the cases in there is definitely making it, taking it to that level where it's like, okay, this is real. This is, stuff is really happening. Right. So that way you say, oh, well, it's just fiction. Right. <laughs> it's not just right. fiction. <laughs> so that's, exactly. that's the thing is people who, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to readers, a uh, bigger percentage of readers actually read nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So this should really confuse the heck out of them. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now we don't have an excuse. I have nonfiction, I have fiction, and I have the nonfiction fiction book. So I cover all of it. Oh, my gosh. I didn't think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Do it all. I know that that there was a certain terminology that you coined recently about when you looked at your depth of your, 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 what you got so far in front of you, uh, all your different books. And what was that? I just loved it. Go ahead and tell everybody what that Um, was. I can't take credit for it because it is an actual genre, uh, but I just have never seen anybody else classify themselves under that genre, uh, which is, well, I guess part of it I did. It's experimental fiction, but what I have coined myself as is experimental fiction and nonfiction. And what experimental fiction is, is more on the style of writing, not necessarily um, the genre. So it just basically, it, it, it is what it says. It's experimental. It's a different style of writing. Uh, if you've read my apocalypse, uh, I think the apocalypse is a great book to kind of define that I don't follow the gamut when it comes to the way I write my stories. Uh, and so, and this one definitely falls under it as well. So, it's just a style of writing. I don't follow any of the typical rules when it comes to writing a story. Uh, when you read clusters and you get to the plot of the storyline, you'll understand why this one is, is also falling under experimental. Um, I, I I remember sharing the plot line with a couple of my friends that are authors and really successful authors. And I told them what I was doing, and their eyes kind of bugged out of their heads, like, I don't think you should be doing that in the story. This is crazy. I can't believe you're doing that. And I said, no, it's going to work. It's going to work. And it was one of those things where I knew it was going to work, kind of like with the apocalypse and not making it linear. And so it's that's, I think, what it is. People say, well, what genre do you write? And that's what it falls under. It's not necessarily the genre I write. It's the way I write my stories. It's experimental. Right. And, and even with Bohemian now, you've got some, some horror, the horror depth yeah. to it. So, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, um, and I really honestly think that, you know, this is one thing that uh, big publishers are just not grasping the concept of. And mm-hmm. that uh, readers want this depth and the different mm-hmm. kinds of writing all in one. Mm-hmm. That's what they're looking I'm, for. Yeah, and I'm a reader before I'm a writer. I'm a, I read so much. And I, and I think I had a benefit of, I've been reading my entire life, and it wasn't until three years ago or two years ago when I decided that I was going to be a writer, and that was by accident, that uh, that I started thinking on the other side of things. And I think a lot of writers and publishers, they spent their whole entire lives thinking about the construction of a book um, or becoming writers or authors, where that was nothing that ever crossed my mind. So I think I, I have a little bit of a benefit where I've always been a reader first. And as a reader... I always wanted to, I didn't want to guess the ending. I didn't want to guess who a killer was. I didn't want to walk away or predict anything to be predictable. I really wanted to walk away from the book and say, wow, that was totally different and it makes you think. And I wanted that as a reader. So I think that, um, and that's what I'm hearing from my readers, is they're saying they like the twist. They like that it's not what they typically expected or you know, what it is. So, um, I, and I agree. I think publishers are missing that. Um, I think they're not giving readers enough credit because they yeah. they think that everybody wants to just fall into this box of reading, and it's not true. I think readers, um, are, are they challenge them and, you know, 
do all the things you want to do with a book, and I think that they are, I just think we need to give them more credit than we have been. And I think the smaller publishing houses are getting that, and especially since a lot of authors, the big authors, are now self-publishing as well, on top of being traditionally published, it's because they know their publisher is not going to pick up that book, and then they write this book, and then all of a sudden it's a bestseller, and there's a reason for it, it's because, you know, the authors and the small publishing houses are getting that the readers want a little bit more than what the big houses are offering. Yeah, I think we we understand our readers a little bit better, I think. And, you mm-hmm. know, again, we're readers. Uh, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think the big publishers, and it's always been a problem with big publishers, are also, they once they find one that works, they all get on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And it's like by then, there's already that trend's already gone, <laughs> right? You know, we're already right. yeah, as 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 readers, we're already bored. It's like a oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You surprised me yeah. with that book, but you can't really do it again because once the surprise is over, it's over. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like <laughs> who knew sparkling vampires was going to be a thing, or vampires in general? They thought it was over with Anne Rice. And all of a sudden, yeah. everybody's writing vampire books again. It's like, well, we've kind of moved on. You know, a lot of us still, like, I still read the vampire books. But uh, it's like, give us more. You know, like, I, I love the dystopian books, but we don't get a lot of the dystopian books. And, you know, um, so I, I just think that we just have to offer more. And I think that um, there's a lot of authors out there that are saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to write what I want to write because I like it, and they're self-publishing, and they're becoming immensely successful doing it. Exactly. As I say, you know, write what you're going to write, and then and then worry about who you're going to sell it to. Right. Because you're going you're going to find a market. I mean, you know, almost anything can find a market. It's mm-hmm. how hard can you? How hard do you want to work at it? That's the question. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I would say that you work hard at it because you, you again you you're coming from a marketing background. Uh, we've mm-hmm. already established that with your with your nonfiction book, uh, the Good, Bad, mm-hmm. and the Ugly of Sales and Marketing, and uh, that definitely was also a different. Uh, you know, you said you wrote that one faster than I think in any fiction book you can. I think a lot of it is, <laughs> and I th- yeah, honestly, I think what what it is yeah. is is first of all you know your material, but Right. But also because I think that if a person organizes uh, a nonfiction first, you know, does a, a outline or whatever, and they know the mm-hmm. material, well, yeah, they're going to get through it pretty fast because it's not like yeah. they have to come up with a plot and actually, uh, you know, uh, decide on their characters and have the characters actually come to life inside their heads and actually get it all on paper. Um, right. It, it's just different, a completely different exactly. way of writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of people say to me, well, fiction writers can't write nonfiction, nonfiction writers can't write fiction, which is crazy because the other big, you know, James Patterson and Stephen King, and they've all, you know, they've all done it, they've done it well. But right. that the marketing book, I think I wrote in three weeks. It was, I, I think that was my record of writing. <laughs> it was just, I feel like I didn't even write it. It was like, okay, here it is, it's done. And so. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, was, I was like, what? <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, that's, yeah, I think a lot of it is is that we just have to develop the characters and uh, and the plot has to work. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's a completely different thing than than writing a nonfiction book. 
Right. And right. you found that to be pretty easy, so. <laughs> yeah, the nonfiction. And I think a lot of it, too, is that, you know, my journalism that I'm doing on a daily basis. So, you know, it wasn't I, – I do it. I just never done it in book form. And it was – and like you said, all the information in my head. I think that if somebody's struggling writing a nonfiction book, I'm wondering if they're even familiar with the material they're writing with. Because if you're just – kind of regurgitating information, it should be a lot easier to do. But I, I don't know. I, it was really simple for me. And the only challenge I had is that after I wrote it, I was like, oh, I could have put that in there. I could have put that in there. So there might be another book uh, floating around in that nonfiction somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talked about that in, uh, I think, 2016. We are looking at that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we already we were... have a 2016. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're pretty much set for 2015 people, so don't give her any more ideas, I swear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Clusters, how did you come upon this particular story? Because that's really important to the overall, uh, you know, obviously the marketing as well as the understanding of this particular book. Right. So, um, a few years ago, um, actually about five years ago, a friend of mine's son went missing uh, up here in Dewey, Arizona, which is just about an hour and a half north of Phoenix. And he went missing. He he was sleeping in his home with his mom, and when his mom woke up, she saw that her son and their dog was missing. And unfortunately, the story ended really tragically. They found him three days later, and and he wasn't alive. He had succumbed to the elements um, actually just a few hours before they had found him. And he was two years old. So it was was a time where um, it it really struck home, one, because she was a friend of mine. Uh, My son was a year old at the time, and her son was two, so they were really close in age, and there was just a lot to it. There was, like, a lot of what-ifs that we were we had going through our minds and stuff, and uh, so many things that should have been done that weren't done, and so it's kind of a, a something that's happened in my life that I that haunts me to this day because you know you say you don't have any regrets. I have one regret in life, and the only regret I really have is that I didn't go up to help find Emmett. And the reason is is because they were saying they didn't need any volunteers searching for him that they had it under control. Obviously, they didn't have it under control because they never found him. And I think to this day, I, I kind of have this whole, I really wish I had ignored them and gone up and searched for him. Um, and in talking to his mom, uh, she has a lot of similar feelings. There was a lot of things that, you know, of course, looking back, you say hindsight's twenty twenty, and it couldn't be more true in this case. But because it always haunted me, that kind of that story's always stuck with me. Uh, it was a couple of years ago that we were listening to Coast to Coast AM, which is a radio show syndicated live uh, across the country, I believe international. But I know it's, it's national. I'm just not sure if it's international. And they were interviewing this gentleman. His name is David Politis. He's a former police officer. And he was talking about these missing cases. And we love this show because he talked about everything under the sun. And they kind of take this approach on it of, we're not saying anything's real and we're not saying anything's not real. They just kind of listen to all the information and let people decide for themselves. And they're talking, David Politis is talking about these missing cases. 
and they were all missing cases in national forests. Well, uh, what he's done is he started, he kind of stumbled upon these cases because the park ranger said, listen, there's something going on. We don't know what it is, but somebody needs to do some research and somebody needs to talk about it. And so David Clyde started doing this research and he stumbled upon basically clusters of missing people. And it started off where he, he only searched in the United States and, and in only recent years has he expanded internationally, but they're missing people. And one of the things is that all of these people that are missing, and you have to think, when you go out into the national forest, there's a lot of things, or in forests in general, there's a lot of things that can happen. There's mm-hmm. animals, there's wild animals, there's weather, there's, you know, um, foul play. So if if he had the saying, one in doubt, throw it out. So if there was ever a case where he could come up with an explanation at all, or if there was any sort of explanation that made sense, he would throw the case out, and he wouldn't include it in his book. So what's left are cases that he truly cannot explain. Uh, and this is him being a police officer. This is him talking to experts. Um, I mean, if you if you look at the kind of research I do, he puts my research to shame. I mean, this is literally his life is consumed by only studying these cases, and he actually goes out before it. He retraces footsteps, and he does everything and does his research. So, what's left are the cases that that have that are uh, have make no sense. Uh, they're almost uh, they're I, I don't want to say paranormal, but they kind of boggle the mind. Like it's just like, well, that doesn't make any sense. How does that happen? And he has four books out. Each book is about 450 pages. And each case covers about two to three pages. So you can see how many cases there actually are. He has his map on his website uh, where it actually shows the clusters of missing people. And there's literally clusters. You can see them when you see the map. And so when he started talking about this, I'd be kind of, you know, my husband and I thought, oh, this is interesting. So we started listening to all his interviews. A lot of them can be found on YouTube. Um, I've probably listened to easily uh, 30, 40 hours of his interviews. I've read every single one of his books. If he recommended a book in his book, I read that as well. Um, and then I went and I did my own research on the different cases and, and see, um, you know, what what the answers were. And so that's where this, my book came from. And as a fiction writer, one of the things that I I believe, and this is also my marketing background, is that, you can tell people facts and they won't remember it. But if you tell it to them in a story form, it'll make more sense to them and they'll remember it that way. So I wanted to kind of take my role as a writer, as a fiction writer, and paint the picture in a way where we can open it up to more people. So I do have a motive in writing these books is that I want people to kind of start thinking about this, what's going on, what are these cases, what's really happening. And I want people to walk away and kind of say, okay, uh, I need to look into this a little bit more. And so far what I've heard from my early readers, because of course the book's not out yet, but from the, the ARC readers is that um, they actually walked away and started Googling and started looking up the cases themselves. So uh, that was the inspiration behind it. I wanted to paint my own picture. And like I said, one of the challenges I had was that I, wanted, I, I had to, as a fiction writer, come up with a conclusion in my own story. And that's where I struggled because I know there's no conclusion in real life. And so even in in writing this, even the conclusion I came up with, and it was a back and forth between the people in my writer's group and my husband being like, well, this doesn't make sense. And, and so 
even the conclusion I came up with, uh, it, it was like it, it was a stretch, but it was the one that made the most sense to me. Um, and I encourage my readers read my book, read my book, read the cases, read Politis's book, and come up with your own conclusion as well. Because don't let my answer be what the answer is, because it's not necessarily true. And that's a very good point. So um, it really touched home to you. Uh, I know that we were talking about the search and rescue that went right. on not only here, but it goes on, and you use it very extensively in your book. Right. Uh, right. So you really did a lot of research, and, of course, I know that you have another thing that's involved with that, and it had to do with the SAR dogs. Right. So what we did, and this, this happened before I started writing clusters. Um, one of the things that, you know, in talking to Emma's mom, they the search and rescue dogs, which are such a huge uh, help in search and rescue, are severely lacking in search and rescue efforts because there's a lot of money that goes into training them. You have to sponsor. There's so many. You know, there's so much that goes into trying to get a dog to be a search and rescue dogs because you have to train them and there's not very many resources and people don't think about it. They, they think about all the different things, you know, they think about donating to the Red Cross and they do all these different things, but when it comes to search and rescue dogs, people don't think that about that aspect of it. So you don't see too many people um, putting energy or money or, or anything into to sponsoring dogs. And so she's the one that brought light of that to me. I didn't know that as well. And she said that was one of the challenges with finding evidence that didn't have enough uh, search and rescue dogs, even in Arizona, which is crazy because we have one of the world's natural wonders here. We have the Grand Canyon, and we have, you know, most of the state is forest, and yet we don't have too much uh, search and rescue dogs here. And so we decided to, in, in Emmett's name, to sponsor a dog, which is, a lot of effort, and so we gave, we have two years to sponsor a dog. It cost $10,000, um, so that was a wow. lot of fundraising, and for each dog, it's $10,000, and you can actually go to websites, you can donate a little bit, or you can, you know, sponsor a dog, obviously it's $10,000, not everybody has that kind of money, so we sponsored a dog, and there's a search and rescue dog out there, his name is Emmett, he's, uh, I believe he's doing search and rescue right now in Northern California, that was the last I heard. Um, but yeah, there's there's a definite um, element missing when it comes to search and rescue dogs or search and rescue efforts in general. So um, uh, hopefully, and we do mention that in the book as well. So hopefully, people will kind of say, okay, let me donate even five dollars to help with that. Definitely a worthy cause, and uh, you know, people who are involved with these particular cases. Uh, you know, it, the sheer number of people that are missing is just is it, mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. That's when you see the map, and it just really comes. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, you know, that's, that's yeah. a lot of people. That's a lot of dots. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of dogs. It's um, and and some of these pe- and some of the numbers that were kind of blowing my mind were, uh, especially when it comes to kids missing you would have up to a 1,000 people searching for a child. And that was insane to me. I couldn't even, I, I always thought, you know, 30, 40 people would be searching or just search and rescue. In a lot of these cases, you had 
a thousand, over a thousand people and helicopters and search and rescue dogs and all these people looking for this one missing person, especially children is when that numbers went up. And a lot of times they wouldn't find, you know, the child. And it was just crazy. I mean, some of these stories are pretty insane. Um, you know, there's been many stories where, uh, for instance, there's this one woman who was, she was out in the front yard of her home. Her four-year-old daughter was playing in the front yard with her doll. She was sitting on the ground playing with the doll. Her phone rang. She went in to answer her phone, but she missed the call. And so she didn't get the phone, and she came back out. So you figured that's less than a minute. And when she came back out, her daughter was gone. Uh, and it, so within a less than a minute, her daughter had, had disappeared. Uh, and they, they were kind of on the edge of a national forest, and, you know, they live on this dirt road, so it's not like somebody could just have driven by and pick up the child. And she, she called out for her daughter uh, several times, I think spent a few minutes searching frantically, calling out, yelling for her daughter's name, and her daughter didn't show up. So she immediately called um, the police. The police showed up. And they immediately went into search and rescue. And I think it was within hours they had, they had well over a thousand people searching for this little girl within an hour. And they never found her. Um, and there's been stories like that where they end up finding a child, and the child is up on some ravine at the top of a mountain that it would be impossible for them to climb. And they found them. And there's been other times where they find a child uh, standing, you know, just less than half a mile from the home in an area where search and rescue had already looked hundreds of times. And so there's so many stories like that where it's just, you, you, you sit there and go, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, and the search and rescue efforts that go into this, some of the things that these people do um, and the elements that they search in and, and the stuff they put their dogs through and they put the humans through um, absolutely blows your mind, and it's it's really it's really an underappreciated um, division of of the people that are out there helping others. Yeah, and, and good thing they they do because uh, you know they they do wind up you know getting or at least finding and putting closure to some of these missing cases. Mm-hmm. So if they at least find yeah. them and and can say, hey, you know, this happened. Uh, at least, at least they can move on, move forward from there. Yeah, that that's the thing. I think for for like for instance, Emmett, they did find Emmett. Unfortunately, he he passed, and they found him three days later. But it would be much worse not knowing. And in a lot of these cases, you know, the parents end up going to their graves not knowing what happened to their child because they never found that child. And it's not just children. Um, I know I keep bringing up children, but it's adults that go missing. Um, there was one case late last year, and these are all uh, stories that can be found in David Politis' Missing 411 book. There was one case late last year where a gentleman, this was in, I think I want to say Canada, there was a gentleman who was, uh, who, he was on a business trip, and they had gone to dinner with several of his, of his colleagues. They had come back from dinner. They showed video of him walking into the hotel. He got a phone call. So he stepped outside the hotel, so you could see him standing in front of the hotel on video, because, you know, we have all these cameras around now, and you could see him on, on his phone, and then he kind of walks off the camera. Well, it was probably a half an hour later where he, he calls up his friend and he says, I'm lost. I don't know where I am, but I'm lost. 
and he was, I guess he was just on the phone and chatting kind of, you know, a lot of us get on the phone and we start kind of pacing and walking around without realizing, <laughs> and I guess he just didn't realize what he was doing, but he said he's lost. Now, this is a hotel in the middle of a city, and there's like hills off to the side, but it's not like in the middle of nowhere. I mean, they're on a main street. There's some nice houses in the area. Um, so if you're walking down the street, he's, he's like, I don't know where I am. And his friends said, well, describe where you are. You're obviously, you know, what, do you see a street sign or something? And he says, no, but I see up off into the distance, there's a light up on the top of the hill. So I'm going to head towards that light. And so it was a really weird, and, and, and the phone was breaking in and out, and the friend said, well, why are you heading towards the light? Like, they weren't understanding what, and it sounded really confused. And he, you know, you could tell he was panicking on the phone. And he says, I'm just going to head towards the light. And then his phone cuts off. Well, um, he doesn't show back up to the hotel. The friends go out searching for him. And they go into a full search and rescue effort. And it, they they don't understand what happened because uh, why would somebody, you know, wander off, off of a main street? And at one point, uh, one of the neighbors said they saw a man walking through the bushes into a field. Now, if you're on a phone, why are you going to walk through the bushes into a field? It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you're if you're chatting, you know, yeah, you can. You're not thinking about things, but you're not just going to randomly walk into a bush. I mean, that's something that you're at least conscious of. Anyways, it was uh, they never found. They didn't find him. They did a full search and rescue effort, and it was about a month and a half later when there was a helicopter in the area. And they were doing kind of like a test run of this helicopter. I don't know what they were doing. But they came across uh, his body. And he was at the top of a mountain. It was kind of like a plateau at the top of the mountain. There was a log lying across the mountain. And he was kind of bent over backwards over the log with his shirt taken off. And they found his body and they, they called down and said, we, we believe we found and it was you know, it, nothing like this had ever happened in the area. So people, you know, were, they, the, the helicopter pilot knew the story, so he immediately thought it was this guy. They, of course, they go up, they identify him, and um, it, they, what they think happened is he had fallen off of a ravine and fell off a cliff. But, what hap- but the cliff is a good 50, 60 feet away from the road. So it didn't make any sense. Why would he walk off a road? Why would he, you know, all of a sudden walk off a cliff? It just kind of de- it defied logic, and they they discovered that it happened. Um, it happened a few days after he had gone missing. So, uh, with search and rescue in the area, people are calling out. You know, when you're doing search and rescue, you're calling out for the person. If you need help, then why wouldn't you be answering back? It because it happened a few days later. So there was, there was all these stories. You kind of you read them, and you're like, it doesn't make any sense. And every explanation you come up with in your head doesn't make any sense and and there's a lot of similar elements throughout the stories um that are kind of commonplace and when you read the books you'll get to read Kaleidos' books you'll you'll see the common elements but I try to implement some of them in the clusters as well yeah you did I think you did a great job of uh bringing to life some of these uh, by fiction wise uh some of these stories and uh come in with you know, I think it's interesting. Uh <laughs> I want I'm not I'm not gonna give it away. But uh <laughs> it, it, interesting uh 
conclusion. So, uh, you know, you guys got to, you know, obviously get the book and read it. And uh, you've already, you got a great video uh, that you did, book trailer that you did on your website, uh, theaccidentalwriter.com. And tell us where, I mean, I gave people some of the, uh, a couple of the clickable links there on the chat, uh, including your Facebook page for Accidental Writer. Is there anything else you want to, you know, for that, for you to find, to find you, the writer at? Um, you know, you can find me on Twitter. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, it's hard to say on um, what. I'm TM Williams is the Twitter handle. I'm, I am TM Williams, T-M-W-I-L-L-I-M-S. And it's, uh, that's my Twitter handle, but, um, you should be able to find everything through my website, theaccidentalwriter.com, and I believe we're doing a giveaway tonight too of clusters, a yeah. uh, signed copy of the book, which is a hardcover, which I'm really excited about. But if you go to my website, all my links are available on there, and I'm pretty active on my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash accidentalwriter. Um, that's my brand, so pretty much anything under that you'll see is mine. Um, but yeah, just go to my website and you can find anything, um, including my blog is linked through there as well. And then if you subscribe to my newsletter on my website, then you'll get updates on book signings and all that fun stuff. Now, before we give away a book, I, w- I want to talk briefly about your hardcover. Uh, mm-hmm. if it's the first hardcover that you've done. Uh, why did you decide mm-hmm. to do it for this particular book? Uh, I've always wanted to do a hardcover. It just makes you feel like a real author, not that, you know, having books published doesn't do that. But uh, it, it Clusters is kind of the my baby. It's the book that uh, I guess every author, it's, it's obviously if you've written more than one book, but I think every author kind of has that book they want people to read. And uh, Clusters is that book for me. And I think uh, I think it's a, a great genre. It's paranormal mystery. Um, I think that it, it, it kind of, com- like I said, it combines the nonfiction and fiction, and I really think that this, there's a wide demographic of people that would enjoy it. I think it's a book that people should read, not because I wrote it, but because I think it's a story that needs to be told. And um, so we just wanted to kind of play this book up and make it kind of the centerpiece of the year. And so making a hardcover just made sense. And um, who doesn't love a book in hardcover? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I keep all you know quite a few of my hardcovers, so that makes it collectible. Mhm. Absolutely. So if you guys got it, you know, I know you've got an event coming up. You got the book launch. Is, is the book's not even officially done yet, but uh, we're definitely going to be putting. We got that set to go tomorrow morning, and uh, actually, I I, can, I already gave the uh, one of the links away. Uh, to be able to get a better deal on the book cover, uh, the hardcover right now. Uh, I know mm-hmm. we want to give away one tonight, and uh, and you, yes, I know the rest of you are just going to have to wait because I already told you I was going to give you a bunch of announcements. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm making them wait, and uh, and give give that particular uh, information out. Get, getting, I know you've got an event coming up uh, as far as the book launch party. Uh, mm-hmm. I know, yeah, you guys, you know, out there, we got more than just people that live here in Arizona. Sorry that we will not fly you in for this. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, we'll be definitely doing something online uh, around uh, February fifth as well. 
for an online for those people who are not uh, living amongst us. Uh, but tell us about the <laughs> tell us about the event book event you got coming up. Um, I do have a book event. I actually am also going to be doing a blog tour, which uh, I'm in the works of finalizing right now as well. So if you aren't in Arizona and you want to be part of a book launch, there's going to be a blog tour. I think it's going to be at the end of February. But like I said, you go to my website and all that stuff will be on there. Um, the book launch party is going to be February, I want to say February 6th, I believe. It's a Friday. And it's going to be from 7 to 8.30 p.m. It's going to be at Paris Persian Cuisine in Scottsdale. Um, it's some of the best food you'll ever have. It's going to be, you know, food is free. You come in, you can either pre-order a book and pick it up there, and you can pre-order it on my website. And there's actually a special link for that so that you don't pay shipping. And you do get a discounted price. Or you can purchase the book at the party, and then, of course, you're paying the full retail price. But if you, uh, that's all you need to get into the party is to uh, purchase the book either now or, or then. Um, and it's just going to be we're going to have food, and it's going to be we're going to be socializing, and you're going to be with you know other bibliophiles and people talking about books and stuff. So it's going to be kind of a fun, relaxed environment, and uh, everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. I know. I told everybody that. Yeah. <laughs> I said that. Said we were so happy that we invited everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Come. Everybody. 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 <laughs> So I think we even have a few people who don't usually read actually coming. So that that's just, uh, <laughs> that's always a fun thing. You get people yep. uh, hooked on some things, and it's great. Got to get them hooked. Absolutely, absolutely. So I know we got a lot of you know we're getting finalized on on some dates, uh, you know places that we're going up and actually doing some signings. And so I don't want to give that away yet. But, uh, you know, we're going to be going up north, so all my friends up north, you know, the, the library's up there. We're looking forward to coming out, and you guys got the book in your hands now. So definitely, definitely excited to hear from you guys because, you know, that Emmett was so close to their area of, of mm-hmm. where they are. So well, I'm excited to, be, to take your book up there and actually see it. So, yeah, uh, get in with there. That's great. That'd be exciting. Yeah, Head away <laughs> northeast. 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 Yeah. <laughs> well, northeast is, is tough. We are uh, traveling is is not an easy thing to do for me, but we try to get where we can. Well, you know, it's up around Prescott, and Prescott has all those forests around there, so we really got to scare those people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all of northern Arizona. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things I've heard from people. It's like, I don't think I ever want to go into the forest again. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I read that. I thought that was funny. That's great. Yep. <laughs> well, Blair Witch so, Project did that one for me. So maybe this will do it for others. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how do we do this book giveaway thing? Um, I, Whoever, I guess, wants to be a caller and wants to call in and, you know, there we go. You ready? You ready? It's seven one four two four two five one four five. That's seven one four two four two five one four five. Yes, it is long distance, but if you have a cell phone, it doesn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. So seven one four two four two five one four five. First person that calls. Now, what about those people who don't have? Uh, I already got. It. 
somebody who said they don't have they don't have a way to call. So is there is can we also include well, chat? If you if you don't have a way to call, then find a way. This <laughs> is twenty first century. If you have if you don't have a phone, I don't know how much we can do for you. <laughs> I know, Uncle. I'm like, okay, how are you listening to this? But <laughs> um, yeah, I would say just just call and and we'll you know if you can't call, then you can't get the book. So let's see, how bad do you want the book? You have to call in. <laughs> right. I mean, she she's sending it to you or you know, if you're local then you can get a sign from her right at her right at her book launch party so I mean how much easier can it get for you people so we'll see <laughs> whether or not anybody in I'm waiting you guys need a number again okay four two four two five one four five. it's also in the, the information in the chat and yeah you guys actually need to physically call in I know you, can, you people don't want to listen. You just want to sit there and and, and graze. We had some people on here. Yep. We had some people in and out of chat. I know. Well, I know. I know. Jamie's sitting there. She's begging you. <laughs> She's begging me to go to New York. I think we'll start with. Getting people to call in first before we start heading out of state. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Clusters. And the Clusters is coming out in a few weeks, which is pretty crazy. But they're going to be able to pre-order that on on Amazon and stuff as well, um, I believe. So hopefully soon. And the thing is that, that I know that a few people who are listening actually already pay, already bought your book. So Right. <laughs> it's like, oops. Well, they can give it away to somebody they love. So it's Valentine's Day is coming up. Uh, let me let everybody know on Facebook here. So tell us what else <laughs> you got coming coming up while we're waiting. So we have uh, Bohemian Grove, which is going to be re-released pretty soon. <laughs> it's supposed to be re-released in November. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but Bohemian Grove and then Creative Anu, and then we also have... Children at the Window, which is a standalone horror book. I've got to have at least one true horror book, I think, come out at least once a year. And um, Children at the Window is based also on urban mythology, urban urban myths, not urban mythology, urban myths. And they're based on the black-eyed children, urban myths. And uh, there's some very creepy, creepy stories about black-eyed children. And, you know, like you were yes, saying, I know. you can't read the that we can't read the Bohemian Grove. I was reading some of these stories at night, and I literally had to. I I was like ninja across my living room, trying to go under the windows, and uh, I I completely freaked myself out with that. So writing the book is going to be pretty interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to pull it off. Um, so we have Children at the Window coming out this year. Uh, we have a couple more books from the Twisted Fairy Tale series coming out. Uh, Alice Hill and Fountain Wonderland was the first book in the Twisted Fairy Tale series. And it's also going to be coming out with the interior illustrations pretty soon as well. But we have um, two more books coming out from that series, which is the short story fairy tale series. Um, the one coming out is The Temptress on Robin Lane. And that one is uh, the premise of the story is based on a female serial killer who steals organs from the bad people and gives it to the good. So 
It's a twisted Robin Hood story. Uh, it's very dark, and uh, it, it, I think my twisted fairy tale stories are going to range from the lighter end of dark, which is like Alice Hill, which is on the darker end, to the very, very dark, which would be the temptress on Robin Lane. So then you'll have everything in between from there. And and then we also have a Viking series coming out this year. So it's going to be a busy year, and uh, it's going to be... Uh, every time I think about it, I have a little bit of a panic. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Just a little bit of a panic. <laughs> Just a little bit of a panic, especially since some of these books, uh, like my Viking series, is written as an epic, so the craft of writing it is very intense. So I don't know how I'm going to pull it off. I'm probably uh, One of the things I've done this year is kind of cut back on my events and my book signings so that I can focus on getting these books out and... Um, Still not sure how I'm going to pull it off, so we'll see. Well, you know, one book at a time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I know you're saying that, and I know you already got started on Creative Anu, but um, mm-hmm. can you give the people, I know we were talking about um, March for that, that we first have to get your first and second one. <laughs> for no yeah, pressure. The second one, pressure. The second one is luckily not being redone, so there's nothing I need to do with the second one. But it's, no. it's, uh, it's, it's going under AZ Publishing, so that's the only difference is that it's being transferred out of being self-publishing and under a publishing house. Uh, and then, you know, Bohemian Globe will be re-released first, and that's kind of where my focus is right now. It's actually 100% of my writing focus is on Bohemian Grove and getting that completed. And then my, my next thing is Creative Anu. So, and Creative Anu, is, I have a big chunk of it already written down, written out, and I, I have the whole thing outlined. So once I start getting working on that, it shouldn't take that long. But of course I say that, so we'll see what happens. Each book seems to be more and more difficult for me instead of the other way around. I'm looking for people here. Man, I, I had one person who was there, and then they, they were, her or him was lost. Try again, guys. Is this, we're yeah, waiting on you. Up. Call back. Yeah. We didn't We hang up on you, I promise. It just was there, and then brief second, it gone. So, and I'm also letting a few people know who I I don't know if they got the book yet, but if they did, they hey, this is a free one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can give it to somebody else. Yeah, what exactly. And I think there's a little bit of a delay on the show too, so hopefully they'll come back soon because they obviously wanted it. Yeah, and I know that uh, you had a few people who were on your. On your page, your information about the show, and I don't see them on here. Where are you, people? <laughs> we are having technical difficulties at this time. <laughs> We're having technical difficulties. The number is 714-242-5145. Sometimes, you know, they get in there and then they don't quite understand the number options. Right, that's true. That's true. So you have to be able to outsmart the system to get through. I know. I know. I know. You, you set your finger to the walk-in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a few people I'm letting know, and then they're not even answering here. 
Yes, yeah. Sure. If anybody's wondering, Patty's answering questions in the chat. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I know you people are reading it, so, you know. Yeah. You know, if you, if, hey, if you've got something to say about uh, any of her books, you know, uh, you have a question about her other books, and yeah, call in. That's kind of what the concept is, you know. Yeah, I so. think that might have been why they hung up too. They were wanting to just ask the question, and yeah, yeah, definitely call in and write the question, or you know, if you can't get to the phone, which is yeah, maybe you're working. I don't know. Here we have somebody. Yeah. Hang on. This is KWOD Radio. You're on live. Hi, this is Jamie in New York. I have just a question for the two of you. Okay. And you know I have to put you on the spot, so it's going to be like totally off the wall. But um, I wanted to know how you guys decided you're a professional fit. Um, I know you guys talked earlier about the benefits of being with a small publishing company. But aside from that, like, what was it about Tina that made you want to work with her professionally? And, Tina, what about Patty made you feel like she was a fit for you in your books? Well, you want me to talk about that? Are we a fit? I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. People are buying the books, right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, go ahead, Patty. <laughs> well, the first thing is that she's tenacious. She she you know works at it. She makes her phone calls. She tries to you know her opportunities. She makes her opportunities happen. Um, you you really can't get much better author than that who really tries you know really gets out there and does it. Um, also the, the you know I happen to like a variety of of uh, books. You know, I, I'm an eclectic reader myself, so I like. To be able to uh, publish what I like to read, it kind of makes sense. And it's uh, and you really you have to have a relationship with your authors that you have to love their book as much as they do, which is kind of hard to do sometimes. Um, mm. But I, you know, if you love their books as much as they do, it definitely shows. And I love her books as much. I think that she even said the same thing that she thinks sometimes I love her books as much as she does. And I think that's an important yeah. relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I definitely feel that. And I think for me, um, Patty and I had a working relationship before she became my publisher. Um, it, of course, in the book world, because we're in the same kind of circle when it comes to, to local books, local author events. And we had our, we were building up a relationship, a working relationship that was already working really well. One of the things that for me is that I, I did have another publisher before AC Publishing, and it was a small press publishing house, and I had an absolute terrible, terrible experience with them. And I remember when I I went from being in a small press publishing house to self-publishing, I kind of cast it off small houses forever. I said, never working with small press again. Um, if I if I go with a publishing house, they're going to have to finish it, it. I had all these different criteria that basically said it would be impossible for me to get a, a publisher again because... I was so burned by my experience, I said, I'm never doing that again. I'm not going through traditional publishing. I'm just going to self-publish from now on. And um, and Patty came along. We started working really well together. And, you know, I was like, well, you're kind of everything I wanted in a publisher. And so I was like, 
and I almost begged her to be my publisher, yes. which is probably, <laughs> probably not in good form, but it was, if you want just something, ask for it. <laughs> I was like, just do it, just do it. And I think it took a good year for me to convince her to become my publisher. Uh, but she finally caved, and I, I think every day she probably regrets, regrets it with all the work she now has to do. But um, I think we work really well well together, and one of the things I really appreciate about her is that she uh, really does care about her authors, and I think that's something that's really rare. And she carries the point where she was she was actually trying to get me to get clustered to go into one of the big six. And yeah. I and I was and I was thinking about I'm like okay okay I'll do that I'll do that and then I turned around and I said I don't want to do that I want I want this to be under AC Publishing and so I said I don't want to go into a big big publishing house but um, recently we've had the conversation again and decided it would be a good route to try to go through to kind of get the best of both worlds and and I don't know too many publishers that would say yes I think you should also be working with another publisher at the same time I think that. It's a testament to showing that she actually is caring about my career, not just yeah. her bottom line. And um, and I think that's uh, and every time she signs on a new author, I kind of freak out. Like, okay, <laughs> sign people up. <laughs> um, but she, yeah. So it, it was it was me begging her to be my publisher. Is how that relationship happened. <laughs> Well, the thing is that see, I was trying to get out of publishing. I was actually doing publishing services and didn't didn't want to actually put my brand on anybody's books anymore because I had been kind of burned by and this it's honestly worn out by a few of the authors and uh, it's just left a bad taste in my mouth. And I just was like, you know, I I really want to feel proud of what uh, I put my brand name on now, and I want to be able to put it on things that that I know I can sell. That's the important thing. It is, mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, you know, we're all in this, yes, I love the books, but, you know, I know they can sell. So it does kind of work hand in hand. And if, if I think that it's important to differentiate that with an editor, uh, we're, we're starting from scratch with them and you're working with them to make your book the best it can be. If, if they're not doing that for you, then for God's sake, walk away. <laughs> because yeah, you know, you know they're they're not gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna see it through. They don't really care, and it's gonna show up in the end. Awesome, so. thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Jamie. That's it's probably the I think maybe it's the second time somebody asked us that particular question, but uh, once was at the convention. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a weird. I think people are like, how does that happen? <laughs> and yeah. um, I I don't think they realize I harassed you for so long. <laughs> you made me my publisher, <laughs> but it was probably a good year, and I kept you know I kept dropping hits, my but... arm, twisting my arm. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, a lot of people didn't quite understand that. I said, well, I I just really wasn't getting into that. And then you said, well, why not? You know, take credit for what your work what you do. Well, okay, I can see the point there, and it made sense. Yeah. And I didn't want to see you getting to another bad situation. <laughs> so yeah, uh, <laughs> that's the important thing. Exactly, I learned I learned a lesson well. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, 
you know, the thing is that, that you know, you have to be friends with your your publisher too, but you also have to have that working relationship that says, you know, uh, we can beat our shelves up, you um, and you know about a particular book, or we don't agree and this and that, and we'll you know say, well, how come this isn't done or whatnot? But in the end, uh, we shake hands and and we can still go see a movie together. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot. I don't think people realize um, the what kind of relationship a writer has with their editor. It is it's yeah. almost like marriage, um, and you yeah. almost have to work as hard at hard as hard as you do a marriage because there's a lot of stress on the relationship. And the more books you add to the mix, uh, the more stress there is. And there's a lot of books in the mix. And I I don't think people. I think people see us and they say, oh, they're going to the movies and you know, we have a good friendship. So I think they think, oh, it's a really easy relationship. And it, it is no. has a working relationship, <laughs> but there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, and you have to have really open communication on both ends to be able to have a good relationship with your editor. And I think that a lot of writers, I think this would be my advice to writers, is that um, I think writers expect perfection and they expect 100% without giving 100% themselves. And exactly. you have to be you have to be able to contribute to the relationship on both ends. And I know a lot of authors out there say, "Well, I don't want to market my books. That's what the publisher is there for." And I said, "You're you're digging yourself a grave by doing that. You have to market yourself. You have to market your book. Um, you have to get yourself out there uh, because you are your own brand." And I think that a lot of people expect that from the publisher. And by doing that, they've already shot themselves in the foot, and they've yeah. already dampened that relationship. So. And that's um, it exactly. That's that's it exactly. They and that's one reason why I, you know, two couple of years ago just said, okay, I, I think I've had enough of this, you know, uh, being a publisher thing with uh, with the ones I had on there. And of course, I had to keep them on because it's a contract. But um, yeah, it's just I don't want to do that route anymore. It's just it's unfulfilling, and uh, you put so much of. Work into it, and in your relationship, as you say, you know, sometimes you just have to divorce it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. And sometimes it's an ugly divorce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they get to keep their kids. You know. <laughs> they can keep their kids and and do whatever they want. You know, to raise them. Because after that, is is it's up to them. Um, and then they they really realize how much work they got. To put into it, yeah, exactly. So I'm not getting any any you know it's like dead on Facebook. Is anybody even out there? <laughs> I'm They're looking at listening to the recording of this and say, "Darn it!" <laughs> I know. I uh, I see one person, two two people on the web on Facebook, and that's it. Everybody else is on their phones. Yep. So they're not oh, well. listening to it. Uh, we have uh, there's a there's also a giveaway for those of you who can't call in. Um, there's a giveaway happening on Goodreads, and I'm giving away five copies on Goodreads um, during their giveaway. So if you just find a book on Goodreads, you'll click on the book and then you see the giveaway there. I have to say I do do a lot of giveaways because I try to put a lot of my money towards my readers instead of marketing because I feel like it's yeah. better in their pockets than in, in the big advertisers. 
but I will not be giving away too many copies of clusters. This is one that I'm not going to be really that generous with. So if you want to win a copy, if it's not in your budget to purchase one, I would suggest um, definitely getting in on the Goodreads one. Definitely, guys. I mean, this is definitely worth seeing. You're going to shoot yourselves when you realize, oh, man, I could have gotten the book for free. And, and you know, we're going to see them at the at, at the signing and uh, say, hey, you know, we gave you a chance. Yep. Yeah, that's great. You didn't make a call. So, uh, yeah, so that's just, we'll try it again. 214-242-5145. I know you guys are listening because I, I can hear you breathing. And yeah, this has a community on line with their phones on Facebook right now. And I know a few of them would, uh, either uh, yeah, probably would have wanted your book for sure because they've already gotten one of your other ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this one's my baby. Yeah, this one's important, guys. You like her writing at all, and you really need to get this one, and you're going to shoot yourself when you realize you could have gotten it for free. <laughs> ah, so. Okay. So we got the uh, what? If the, what conventions you got coming up? Okay, you got three um, minutes, and I'm I'm going to pull the plug. I I don't have that many coming up this year. It's, it's like I said, I, I'm really trying to scale back on my live events and focus more on getting these books done. Um. I, I'm going to be doing a lot of online stuff. Like I have a blog tour coming up at the end of uh, February. But I will be at Phoenix Comic Con. I will be there. Um, I will have a booth there. So I will be there the entire weekend at Phoenix Comic Con. And I will be at the Atheist Convention in April. And I will be speaking there. And I will also have my books there as well. Um, and I, I think... Uh, I think that is what is confirmed for now. Um, I, I'm trying to spend more time with my family this year because they've been very patient with me over the last few years. So we're taking a couple of vacations this year. Uh, I, I can't even remember the last time I took a real vacation. <laughs> so so there will be a couple, you know, vacations in there and stuff, which unfortunately happened to coincide with some of the big events. Uh, but those are the two conventions I have booked right now. And then we do have some bookstores and li- libraries that are happening, but I don't have that information. I'll have to look that up on their website. Yeah, and you guys will get, we'll find out about this particular, as soon as we get final date and time. Mm-hmm. So we can't, can't say that because I can say basically when they're going to be, but I don't like to put it on anything unless it's set. So I think you guys just lost your... Well, okay, half a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and I'm gonna rub it in. <laughs> As you guys <laughs> I'm good I'm good at that, yes, I am. I say, Hey, you know, I can't feel sorry for you because you had a chance. And uh you guys know I'm gonna say it. Because I know that it's Said a lot of you who would, would definitely would want this one. Well, wouldn't wait a minute? Wouldn't that mean Jamie would have won it since she called in? <laughs> yes. So there you, you go. 
and she didn't get it yet. No, and she, she hasn't be- gotten it yet. And she was begging you for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's only fair. There you go. There Congratulations, you go. Jamie. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so at least we got at least we have a winner, and and so now she probably can do her happy dance. <laughs> so Jamie's definitely a winner because of that. That she actually she actually called us and and talked to us, which we we like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so with that, I I know that we're having the last few few minutes here, but we are going to go ahead and cut it off. And you guys, that way you can eat your dinner and have time with your family. And yeah, um, I'm excited to get all this this working. So it's going to be an exciting year, woman. Yes. Yeah, I think it's going to be better than last year, which is, is hard to top, but I think it will be better. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So with that, I'm going to say good night and uh, and see you soon. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay. I'm say goodbye to T.M. Williams. And again, remind you, tomorrow night is the on Mill Avenue and Southern, 6.30 to 8.30, and the Archbase event, which also includes the Mesa Urban Garden, and that's at 12, that's, that's like you're saying 12, 212 East 1st Avenue, Mesa is right downtown Mesa. And that starts at 6 on Friday, 6 to 8, so want to get involved with the Archspace uh, event in the community, Archspace community in uh, Mesa, definitely. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be from Mesa. For goodness sakes, your Archie types are everywhere. So converge, okay? And then, of course, uh, we have T.M. Williams, who is be speaking at the published marketing meetup on Saturday, 1230 to 2.30. Want more information about that? Definitely PM me on Facebook, and you can find me at PJ Holstrand. And don't forget the two T's; otherwise, you won't find me. That's H U L T S T R A N D. Also, if you need to email me, that's editor at the wad dot net. That's the. I think you know how to spell that. Wad W O D not wad. Wad W O D dot net editor at the dot net. Find more information. Uh, if you have an article you'd like to submit for the newspaper of the same name, the Wad, uh, definitely let me know. Uh, send me an email, shoot me an email, or get a hold of me on Facebook. I'm always there. I'm there right now. So. Uh, Definitely let me know uh, that you're interested in, in writing articles for the WAD or one. Um, also, I always, always, always take advertisers, uh, even a little bit. And definitely let me know because we always have some kind of deal or another uh, of different sizes. So let me know. And we've got another issue coming up uh, at the end of this month. So with that, I'm going to say this is KWAD Radio. This is... This is uh, Patty Holstrand signing out. We have somebody who's 
saying something on the radio here. So, um, you guys have a great time. And I see what am I? Oh, yeah. Sunday, we have our next radio show. And that will be the next space show with Al and Joe. And that starts at 7 p.m. right here at same bat channel. And see you guys soon. Do do we have somebody on the line? Yeah. Um, who is who am I speaking to? This is this is uh, Patty Holstrand, KWOD Radio. Okay. Um, you got the right line. I was line? Um, What, honey? I sorry. This, we're on live radio. Right. I was. Trying to call Blog Talk. Oh, that's you just Blog Talk Radio. Right, right. This is KWOD Radio Show. Okay. Um, regarding missing people, missing children. Ah, yes. We were here. I was just about ready to say goodbye for the night. Um, we had a couple. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, missing missing children. We we were doing the missing children book. We have uh, clusters. Case of the missing is based on uh, real life true events of missing people in uh, the U.S. around the forest in our country. Right. Do you have a story to well, tell? Well, I guess no, ma'am. Um, I guess I have the the times wrong on my ah. Ah, okay. Oh, so you thought it was starting a different time. Sorry about right. that. Right, I thought it was. Just... <laughs> well, no problem oh, at all. Just, this is a good time to, to let I everybody have a quick know. Question. Okay. One quick question. It, it mentioned one of the topics was going to be Star Dog. And yes. I wanted to have my dog trained in that. And oh. I wondered if you could give me a recommendation. Okay. Um, don't have TM on here right now, but I can find out for you. Okay. The star dogs would be because uh, what she did was uh, they didn't have very many uh, star dogs here in Arizona, so uh, she wound up uh, sponsoring a star dog and was able to get them trained. So okay. it's more of a nonprofit organization that does that. That'd be great. Okay. And if you wish to contact me at editor at the dot net, I can get you that information. Okay. Okay, editor at where the wad the wad that's t h e w o d dot net. That's the newspaper. Okay. So contact right, me there, then that way. I can go ahead and get that information. That way we don't have to give your information, personal information out on the radio. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right, honey. Thank no, it's you. Fine. So, so you can listen to the show in, in its entirety about uh, half an hour after the end of the show, which is in the next few minutes. Uh, and then you can okay. listen to it at your leisure, okay? That's great. That's, Thank you. You're welcome. And that's to let everybody know that, you know, again, this is uh, something that keeps on giving, that you have 
uh, wanted to listen to the show or got at the wrong time, that's that's fine. That's what uh, that's what it's all about. You can go ahead and and, and sit back and listen to it uh, at your leisure at any time. Uh, so definitely wait for the archive and uh, you know listen to the show because you got a lot of good information about writing as well as about the story itself, the clusters, case of the missing. And we are off for the night. You guys have a wonderful time. KWAD Radio, Patty Holstrand signing out.